Hey guys, welcome back to my podcast. I'm your host, Rachel. If you were new, thank you for joining me. Make sure you go follow me on Facebook and Instagram at Pocketful of Crime. I post additional content and photos from each weekly case, as well as any announcements will be over on social media. If you were new, go drop me a comment on my Instagram post and tell me where you were from and how you found me. So this week, I wanted to cover a missing person case. It's in my home state. I have been following the story on the news, Facebook, and pretty much everywhere you look, you can read into it. This touched me, especially because I'm a mother myself. I can only imagine what the parents, family, friends, neighbors, and community are enduring right now. I want to use this platform for more than just entertainment. I want to spread awareness to cases like these. There might be someone listening who knows something, seen something, heard something, and no matter how small, if one tip is generated from this platform, then I am content and proud of the content I put out. This is a case of missing 11-year-old boy, Gannon Stout. If you are from Colorado, or maybe if you just follow online sleuth groups, Gannon Stauk should be a very familiar name. This case is very frustrating. There is so little information, but so much information at the same time. Not all tips or leads and content I have read or watched has been verified by law enforcement, so please remember that When following along with me, I will try to keep it as accurate as possible, but this is your disclaimer. This is an open investigation and not all information may be verified. I want to start by telling you a little bit about Gannon Stauk. He's an 11-year-old boy who lives in El Paso County, Colorado Springs, Colorado. Gannon was born September 29th, 2008 to mother Landon Hyatt and father Albert Stauk in South Carolina. He is Caucasian, brown hair, with brown eyes, stands 4 foot 9 inches tall, and weighs approximately 90 pounds. He's a 5th grader at Grant Mountain School within the Widefield School District. Gannon's mother, Landon, describes him as, quote, gifted and loving and would do anything for anybody. Gannon was born prematurely, weighing only 1 pound 6 ounces. Doctors told his parents he had a 10% chance of survival and would be disabled if he did survive. 
Ganon beat the odds. Not only did he survive, but he is in the gifted and talented program. A very smart and bright young boy. He loves the color blue, Sonic the Hedgehog, riding his bike and spending time with his sisters. Ganon has one biological sister named Lena, she is eight years old, two young half-sisters on his mom's side, as well as a 17-year-old stepsister that belongs to his stepmother Tisha from a previous relationship. Ganon and Lena live in Colorado Springs in the Lorson Ranch neighborhood with their dad Albert Stauk and stepmother Letitia Stauk. She is also referred to as Tisha or T. Albert and biological mother Landon have a shared custody agreement. Landon Hyatt, 34, is married to Mike Hyatt with two young daughters living in Anor, South Carolina, where she is a health and physical education teacher. Gannon's father, Albert Stauk, is a part of the Colorado Army National Guard, 100th Missile Defense Brigade. He has been a part of the Army National Guard since 2005, first in South Carolina. Gannon's family has lived in numerous places within the states, including South Carolina, Colorado, even Fort Greeley in Alaska. Gannon Stauk has now been missing 29 days as I am writing my script. He was last seen January 27th, 2020. He was last seen by his stepmother, Tisha Stauk, at their home in the 600 block of Mandon Drive within Lorson Ranch, Colorado Springs. He was last seen wearing a blue jacket, blue jeans, and tennis shoes. El Paso County Sheriff's Lieutenant Mitch Mihalko received a call about 6.55 p.m. on Monday the 27th for a possible runaway in the 600 block of Mandon Drive. As per what was said in that 911 call that led police to lean towards a runaway is unknown. Police entered Gannon into missing person databases and about an hour later as an active runaway. Lieutenant Mihalko stated deputies conducted an initial investigation that included interviews with the reporting person, Tisha Stauk. But I've also read the initial 911 call to report Gannon missing was by a friend of Tisha's within the neighborhood. Stepmother Tisha Stauk stated she last seen Gannon that day, Monday the 27th, around 3 p.m. to 4 p.m. Gannon had stayed homesick from school that day, but his sister Lena did attend school. It said Gannon had a stomach ache or a doctor appointment scheduled for that day. I'll go into more detail, but Tisha states Gannon walked down the street to a friend's house around 3 to 4 p.m., and that is when he was last seen. Gannon's father, Albert, was out of town at the time in Oklahoma for training. The stepmother kept both Gannon and younger sister, Lena. Tisha stated she took the kids on a hike at Garden of the Gods, Sunday afternoon, followed by a trip to Burger King the day before Gannon went missing. The initial search of the surrounding neighborhood turned up no sign of Gannon. Tuesday, Mihalko stated the investigation division took over the case and began collecting information, including surveillance video, neighborhood canvases, and conducted further interviews with neighbors and friends. The search investigation continued through that Wednesday and Thursday, then was upgraded from runaway to endangered missing child based on information gleaned from the investigation so far. It's safe to say due to Gannon's age, weather conditions at the time, how long he's been gone, and it said Gannon takes required medication daily, which plays a heavy factor in endangered missing child. Albert Stauk spoke with KOAA-TV, stating, quote, He's not really the type just to walk off. He told my wife he was going to play and then haven't seen him since. 
So let me go into a little more detail on the timeline of events leading up to and events taking place so far in the case. It is a little stressful, I must admit. There is a lot of information swirling online. I am a part of three different Gannon support groups on Facebook. However, there is very little known proven evidence or facts. We can speculate all day and night, but the sheriff's office has kept a very tight lip lock on what evidence they have recovered or if any at all. So there's a lot of things I'd like to tell you that I've read. However, I would hate to be the source of inaccurate detail. So as we go along, just remember this is all speculation until proven otherwise. The only known solid facts we have is Gannon is missing. He has been for a month now and he is desperately wanted to come home safely to his family. I got this timeline from Crime Online, so here we go. Sorry if some of this is repetitive. It can be kind of confusing to connect the dots at first. January 27th, 2020 was the last time Gannon has been seen by stepmother at the Stouk home. January 28th, Biological mother Landon arrives from South Carolina to Colorado to assist in the search. January 30th, Gannon was updated from runaway to endangered missing child. January 31st, social media users began speculating about the stepmother's possible involvement. February 1st, 2020, Tisha Stouk is recorded interviewing with CBS 11. This video can be located all over the internet. It's worth taking a look if you haven't done so already. Later in the episode, I will break it down further and kind of dig into the context and body language. To summarize this interview, Tisha stood with her back to the camera while the news reporter faced her in the camera asking her various questions. She was wearing sunglasses, black pants, and a long-sleeve gray sweatshirt with the thumb holes pulled over her thumbs. Some have speculated she was trying to hide herself by wearing long sleeves. I'd have to play devil's advocate here and say it's February in Colorado, you guys. It gets windy and cold, and reasons for her back to the camera I will explain further. Tisha addressed the rumor swirling her involvement, stating, quote, I would never, ever harm that child, end quote. She also added she and her family have received multiple death threats, counting up to 20 death threats at that time. So maybe this is why she was hiding her identity. However, her actions later on Facebook contradict the theory of privacy and hiding her identity for safety purposes. Tisha has an older daughter, Harley, who is 17 years old, from a different relationship. Harley is also heard and seen on the camera corroborating her mother's story. However, when Harley was confronted by her mother, whom, by the way, was still wearing a mic, Harley is heard saying, quote, what do you want me to say, end quote, almost asking what to say to better jive with her mom's timeline of events. February 3rd, the biggest and maybe the most crucial piece of evidence in the case emerged. Much like the Chris Watts case, a piece of evidence that contradicted Tisha's timeline. A neighbor just two doors down, Roderick Drayton, was so shook up by the disappearance in his community, he stayed up one night, couldn't sleep, and decided to look over his home security footage. 
This video footage shows the red Nissan pickup parked in front of the Stouk home. Tisha is seen walking from the house to the pickup, wearing a backpack, then backing into the driveway. Tisha is seen with Gannon, who got into the back seat on the driver's side. Tisha gets into the front seat of the pickup and leaves at 10.15 a.m. on Monday the 27th, the day Gannon vanished. Four hours passed, and the red pickup is seen again backing into the driveway. However, this time, only Tisha is caught on the camera getting out of the pickup. There is no sign of Gannon getting out of the pickup. I've watched this video countless times. I've seen YouTubers try to enhance and zoom into the video to see if there is any additional movement, like before when Gannon was seen getting into the vehicle. I cannot see any movement other than Tisha getting out of the vehicle. Some people have the opinion that Gannon was walking really slow that morning when seen on the security video, like he was in pain or maybe it was true he wasn't feeling well. So how do you explain leaving with Gannon and returning without him? I did not find a timestamp on exact time Tisha is seen returning to the home, but Four hours puts her back around 1.30 to 2 p.m. So this catches her in a lie, saying she last seen Gannon between 3 and 4 p.m., when in fact it's been proven she never returned with him. Nor has it been said that there is any footage showing Gannon walking down the street around 3 to 4 p.m. to that friend's house. Roderick Drayton showed the video first to the father, Albert. Then the investigators were contacted. Albert is said to have broke down in tears and stated, quote, she lied. When Roderick was interviewed with Fox 31, it was said the detectives were moved by the footage as well. And this is the break they needed. Tisha has argued Gannon was in fact with her at the time she returned home Monday afternoon and has a time-stamped selfie to prove it. Gannon was seen getting into the driver's side backseat that morning, but according to Tisha, he exited the passenger side backseat that afternoon, being the reason he was not seen on video. However, I did a little investigation work myself. I was able to find the exact address of the Stouk home. It's not that difficult with the nowadays web searches. If you look on Google Street View of the address, the front of the home shows the same yellow chairs shown in recent news coverage. But what I also noticed is there is a half-fallen-over ADT home security sign in the front yard. So I'm thinking, with ADT, you would have a doorbell camera at the very least. So if Gannon did hop out of the opposite side of the pickup than he got in, he would still be shown walking around the back of the pickup to get in the front door, which was on the same side as the driver's side of the pickup when backed up to the garage. Or if in fact the Stouk home has security cameras, it should be pretty simple to prove he did come home that afternoon with her. It would also be pretty simple to prove that he did in fact leave between 3 and 4 p.m. to a friend's house. I will post pictures on my Instagram and Facebook at Pocketville of Crime and let me know what you think. February 5th, Albert, Landon, and little sister Lena were covered on the news making a very emotional, desperate plea for the safe return of their son and brother. 
as well as for anyone with tips to call the tip line. They thank the community for the amazing support they have been given. On February 6th, I read there were a total of 88 search crew members. However, that number seems pretty small for the amount of search parties I have seen on the news coverage out and about searching for hours on end. So take that number with a grain of salt. I am unsure of the exact number of volunteer search parties. However, February 6th, the search parties concentrated around the Big Johnson Reservoir, according to Fox 21. February 10th, by this date, 300 tips had poured in. Possible locations, possible sighting, social media-related tips, strange behaviors... Investigators follow through each and every single tip they receive. However, it is really important any tip you may have, no matter how small or insignificant it may seem, goes through the El Paso County Sheriff's tip line and not through social media. That tip line number is 719-520-6666. Again, the tip line number is 719-520-6666. February 12th, Tisha Stauk released a statement to Fox 31 disputing the neighbor's camera findings, indicating she had evidence he was, in fact, with her when she had taken a selfie with Gannon that was time-stamped. She said they have always sent selfies to Albert when he was out of town and they were out and about. However, if this selfie has been released, I am yet to see it. If the timestamp measures up, is unknown. I do not know how the evidence of blood found in the Stoutcombe garage was found. However, Tisha offered up her explanation for the finding of blood. According to Tisha, Gannon was helping her unload in the garage that Saturday before his disappearance and cut his foot. Albert, the father, has a hobby for woodworking, so there are tools laying around the garage he cut his foot on. She sat him up either on the hood of her car or the bumper and put a band-aid on his foot. Another key point I wanted to make is Tisha has reference to Gannon checking the side gate multiple times. According to her, Gannon is the only one with a key to the side gate. Gannon prides himself in taking the role of the man of the house when his father is gone. So why is this gate so important to her is unknown. In my opinion, I think she is trying to build her story and might claim Gannon left through the side gate or entered through the side gate. However, again, if in fact they do have ADT, he would still have been shown on security video. Did he leave out of the front door or the back door? Did he walk down the street or the alley, if there's even an alley? These houses are in a subdivision, closely stacked next to each other. Someone would have seen Gannon or caught him on God knows how many security cameras on that block or surrounding streets. Another question is if Gannon cut his foot badly enough to leave blood on the floor of the garage and he needed a band-aid, then you took him hiking on Sunday afternoon with a wounded foot? I do not know the amount of blood recovered, however, it was found, so you would think a significant or noticeable amount had to have been seen to raise an alarm or question. February 13th, 2020 isn't really a significant date in the investigation. However, I thought this was an amazing story I had to add. Isabella Tells is the owner of Cake Fashion by Bella Marie, a bakery in Colorado Springs. She stated the disappearance affected her so much like the rest of the community. She was so generous to donate 100% of her bakery profits from February 12th through the 14th 
to the family to help them financially. I thought this was an amazing, generous act and shows the support from the community and how badly this has hit home to so many in and even outside the area. February 14th, search crews along with FBI, El Paso County Sheriff's Office, and Douglas County Sheriff's Office congregated around South Perry Park Road where they were seen poking through snow and mud with shovels and long poles. February 16th, the tip count has grown to 555 tips at that time. The FBI evidence response team was seen over the weekend sifting through snow and searching in a specific area off South Prairie Park Road in Douglas County. By February 18th, the tip count had reached 637 tips. The snowstorm had passed through but did not stop search parties. They were still out searching diligently for Gannon. I cannot imagine the fear Gannon's parents must have felt seeing search parties and FBI sifting through buckets of snow and poking through snow with poles. Reality almost sets in at that point that maybe they are searching for a body, not a live and well boy. However, I want to reiterate there is still hope. I still support each and every one of the search parties and pray that Gannon is found and is brought home safely. His family deserves some answers or closure. I want to go over some areas that have been exhausted in the search for Gannon. The search has grown from on-foot volunteers, horseback, razors, ATVs, dogs, aerial, and underground water sonar drones. Multiple bordering counties have joined in the search as well using every possible resource they can get their hands on. The search first focused around the Lorison Ranch area and about a mile away from the Stout Comb, searchers combed through open fields on foot and horseback, using the sonar drone to look underwater in nearby ponds that were frozen. Searches took place near Big Johnson Reservoir, which is about 3.5 miles or a seven-minute drive from the Stout Comb. Metro Crime Lab has been seen visiting the Stout Comb as early as seven days into the Gannon's disappearance, entering the home with gloves and tools and leaving with multiple brown evidence bags in all shapes and sizes. The El Paso Sheriff's Office stated they have put in 7,000 hours of investigation work alongside the FBI, which... I am sure has doubled by this point in the investigation. The search made its way to a 35-acre area in southern Douglas County off Highway 105 south of Larkspur. A private search was also held just for trained search and rescue crews near the Highway 105 and a couple miles north of Palmer Lake. This 35-acre search has since been suspended. There is no updates on further search locations. I will be right back after a quick word from this week's sponsors. Are you a parent who loves thrift shopping but just can't find the time? On a budget but really enjoys the idea of finding brand name clothes for your little one? Look no further than Do Live Thrift Boxes. That's do as in two. And for less than the cost of two name brand outfits, Do Live Thrift Boxes will send you 10 pieces of clothing in the mail ranging from 3T all the way up to teen. Do Life Thrift Boxes takes gently used kids' clothes and mails them directly to you without all the hassle of going out, dragging your kids along, and thrifting for clothes. Do Life Thrift Boxes does all of the work for you. It's simple. You pick your style, your size, preferences, and boom, it's in the mail. Then your child gets a fun surprise, opening a box of 10 new to them, pieces to try on and feel great in. Personalize your box, warm outside, 
cold outside, have Do Life send you summer or winter clothes and choose a combination of the two for guys and gals. Do you have a preference for colors? No blues, all green. Hate jeans but prefer sweats? Choose that too. Tons of different styles to choose from as well like that brand new back to school clothes look or just some simple playtime gear and even athletic look, which I know can be pricey. But you know what? They're all the same cost at dolife.co. That's co, not com, because it's 2020 and that's how we roll. Our listeners are getting a special offer for 15% off with the code pocket, as in pocket full of grime. Head over to www.dolife.co again, not calm, and create your own box today. $150 plus in name brand, gently used kids clothing for only $49. Dolife.co. That's D-E-U-X life.co. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so you can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Now back to the episode. Tisha Stauk has still been very active on her social media accounts. In some of the online Gannon support groups, I have seen screenshots, text message screenshots, and Tisha retaliating with nasty remarks defending her innocence. Not only Tisha, but her mother Deborah Locklear and sister Jules Juju Locklear. I grabbed a quote from that was captured from a post Tisha's sister had made on Facebook. Quote, I hope my sister can sue every single one of y'all for slandering her name. Still praying for Gannon's safe return. End quote. There have been accusations of fake profiles being used to disguise Tisha and her family accessing these online groups. As a matter of fact, when I joined a few of these groups on Facebook, they ask you if you know Tisha Stauk, are related to her, or any of her immediate family members. I think it is all very sad. The goal is to find Gannon. There should be no time in her day to spend arguing and trolling on social media. If I were in her shoes and I were innocent, I would be exhausting every single one of my days searching for Gannon. I would not be able to rest or get one second of sleep until he was found. I believe this has further raised more question of her involvement. A search for a missing child has been somehow made all about herself. I want to be careful what I say. I am not here to draw any hateful comments from those with different opinions of Tisha. However, my thought process is she has shown how selfish and self-centered she really is. Tisha claimed to crime online she took and passed a polygraph test. However, I have not heard of any verified lie detector test or any word on one ever being taken. So where did Tisha go that Monday morning, the 27th of January? Somewhere, somehow, word went around she claimed to have went to a Petco store number 2422 to be exact. 
which is 20.3 miles and a 35-minute drive from the Stockholm. This really has me frazzled. I was able to find three other Petco locations that were within closer driving distance. So why choose to drive 30 minutes out of her way is the first red flag. The second is she supposedly visited the exact store twice within four hours of each other. The first employee to check her out stated she kept looking out the front glass doors towards the parking lot as if she was looking for something or someone. She purchased three dog coats. Yeah, dog coats. The employee described what Tisha was wearing, a blue jacket, black army shirt, and white hat. In Tisha's words, Gannon was waiting in the pickup, parked in the parking lot, playing on his Switch gaming device. So, you drove... 35 minutes out of your way on all days when Gannon is homesick from school, so sick that she, in fact, had to call a nurse hotline. So you take your sick stepson out while he's sick, drive him 35 minutes, make him wait in the vehicle for a dog coat purchase. The second purchase is unknown to me. A different employee checked her out that visit. But have no fear, word has it that police have visited the Petco numerous times to conduct interviews and retrieve security footage. Where she went within the two trips is unknown. I've read an interesting theory on Facebook that struck a chord with me. What if Tisha went to the Petco, walked around, and hid her cell phone within the store so she could then go do whatever she had planned without the phone tracking her? then returned hours later to retrieve it. Again, just speculation theories here, but I thought it was interesting. I would hope law enforcement is already in the process of getting every location and ping her cell phone made that day, as well as following days. Tisha, after claiming on her interview with CBS 11 that she had received numerous death threats, also strung another web of stories. According to Tisha, when she was brought in for questioning, El Paso County denied her a lawyer after asking to stop the interview numerous times and asking for an attorney to be present. In her words, she was blocked from leaving. They were standing in front of the door, wouldn't allow her to use the bathroom or get her a drink. Tisha and her older daughter, Harley, were shopping for clothing items inside a store because they were not able to return back to the home without being harassed. So while shopping, Tisha stated a man with a gun approached her, He was putting on his coat, but the first thing that she seen was a gun, so she didn't recognize he was a detective. She then tells about how Harley was placed in handcuffs and detained over keys that were in her purse. The police were there to seize Harley's vehicle. However, Tisha claims she was threatened to be shot and taken out of the store in handcuffs. Now let's get into the vehicles. So the red Toyota pickup was Albert's vehicle. Now, that was the one shown in the security video. However, Tisha also leases a VW SUV. Her daughter Harley drives a white VW car. I have read and also heard conflicting reports about a possible rental car that was seized as well. Rumor has it that the red pickup was parked at the airport by Albert, leaving for his trip out of state. So, if the pickup was at the airport, why and how was it seen at the Stalcombe? Well, it is possible Tisha rented a car, drove it to the airport to replace parking spots with the pickup so she wouldn't lose the exact spot Albert parked in. 
then drove it back home and used the pickup to do whatever she did that Monday. Well, possibly, however, it hasn't been verified, but also hasn't been debunked. I assume law enforcement is all over the security footage at the airport because both Albert's red pickup, Tisha's SUV, Harley's car, and another unspecified vehicle from the airport were seized and impounded for investigation. Okay, so sorry if I'm confusing you guys. I want to back up to talk about Tisha's interview with CBS 11. I found a YouTube video that was posted by Peter Hyatt. He is a statement analyst and deception detective. He made a video discussing some key points he picked up on while listening to Tisha's interview. I will try and link this video in the description. Peter states context is key. His first point was the role of a parent or caretaker, the natural parental instinct. When a child is hungry, we feed them. When a child is restless, we rock them. When a child is hurt, we spring into action. Whatever child need, we meet with an intuitive reaction. It's our duty. Take biological mother Landon's interview, for example. She voices her fear for what Gannon is going through, his fears. If he is scared or cold or hungry, Tisha distanced herself from Gannon within the interview, avoiding his name at times, referring to him as, quote, child in place of his name. She didn't express any concern for Gannon. She was more focused and driven on clearing her name, addressing the rumors and allegations of her involvement. The interview was focused on Tisha versus finding Gannon. Tisha used a lot of past tense vocabulary, Peter explained in most missing child cases, the parents will refuse to use any past tense wording because that would entail them to come to terms or reality that the child is no longer with us. Landon, for example, will never let go of the fact she believes Gannon is still alive, urging searchers and the public to not lose hope, to not lose interest in finding Gannon alive. Tisha showed some resentment towards Landon, stating she took care of Gannon the last two years because his mother didn't want to. Again, using past tense word choices, Tisha expressed her concern for her 17-year-old daughter Harley being placed and detained in handcuffs. Well, Harley isn't missing. Gannon is. Gannon is 11 years old, missing, last seen with you, and has now been missing for four weeks. Where's your concern for Gannon? I could go on for hours about what the context and body language reveals, but I just advise you to go watch Peter Hyatt's video on YouTube. It really does make you read between the lines. So Cannon left behind his cell phone, which really alarms me because he is an 11-year-old boy living in a generation completely dependent on cell phones and technology. The last search in Cannon's web browser was, quote, can my parents find me if my phone is off, end quote. There isn't any more detail on the day and the time that this search took place. However, I believe that that phone could have been in the hands of someone other than Gannon. Covering up some tracks, maybe, or creating a defense, maybe. A video was posted to Facebook by Tisha that was supposedly recorded on accident. She didn't know her phone was recording. How this happens, I don't know. This video is from a Sunday night, the evening before Gannon vanished. In the video, you can hear Tisha angry about a supposed candle that had been tipped over and caused damage to the carpet. 
She approaches Ganon, who is in inconsolable tears. I myself, as a mother, have lost my temper before and made one of my kids cry, but this was not a shameful cry because he had an accident. This cry sounded like pure fear, almost painful. I will play the clip to save me some time reading it to you. Listen very carefully. Right before the video ends, you can hear Ganon very faintly saying, appears to be made out to be, quote, I'm bleeding. Listen for yourself. Well, devastating. Initially, Scott, I can't lie when the TMZ information... Gannon, I promise this is the last time I'm going to ask you. I'm just freaked out, okay? Are you sure you didn't do it on purpose? He did it. Okay, you promise. He promise. On purpose. Pinky promise. Pinky. Okay. All right. So listen, listen. We're, all right. I'm, we're gonna have to sell stuff to fix it. Okay. So okay. we figure out what we gotta sell. We can sell the sofa. We can sell whatever. Cause we gotta get it fixed. So, lady, don't be mad at us and kick us out of the house. Okay. <coughs> you got it. I'm going to repeat that last I'm bleeding clip so you can hear it again. So what I've learned listening to that video is that the Stauk family rents their home and must have a landlord. The carpet was damaged somehow. If it was a tipped over candle, the wax would have put out the flame in my opinion, unless a wax melt bulb was tipped over and caught the carpet on fire. However, no child should ever be bullied and manipulated in such way to believe he may have caused his family to be kicked out of their home because of damaged carpet or worry about how they will pay for the repairs like selling couches and personal items. I have no idea why Tisha thought that this video needed to be recorded and posted I have heard conflicting statements saying that it was leaked, someone hacked into her iCloud, but I've also heard she posted this video to clear her name and ended up getting more backlash and suspicion. So did she lose her temper that night, hurting Ganon over the damaged carpet? We don't know. Dan May is the district attorney in El Paso County. He is the same district attorney who just put away Patrick Frazee involving the death of Kelsey Barrett which we have all been seeing in the news and headlines. Well, Dan May was seen visiting the Stauk home. Not announced why, but I found an article that may offer up a good theory. KRDO did an interview with a private investigator breaking down the case. This private investigator interviewed with Dan Corsentino in Pueblo, Colorado. Dan was a former sheriff and has worked in law enforcement for over 20 years. When asked his opinion of the district attorney house visit, he stated, quote, Dan May is very thorough, ensures his process is thorough and complete before he charges, if there are any charges at all that come, end quote. So is the district attorney office building a case against someone? If so, they haven't released that information. Corsentino was also asked his thoughts on the lack of updates in information released by the sheriff's department. 
This could be for a number of reasons. For example, if there's a possible suspect or belief that there could be one eventually, they want to keep their investigation knowledge top secret to be able to compare their understanding of what happened to what that suspect says happened. Oftentimes, that is how they're caught. A certain location at a certain time could be disputed through the investigation findings. So, in my belief, the silence from the investigation speaks greater volume in the bigger picture. Also, know these things take time. I believe law enforcement is doing everything they can behind the scenes, working countless hours. If any evidence has been collected and tested, I found a cool article breaking down the amount of time it takes for labs to test evidence such as DNA, forensic biology, trace, fingerprints, and even firearms. I will also post that on my social media account. So where is Tisha Stouk now? Since she hasn't been named a suspect or person of interest formally by the sheriff's department, well, rumor has it Albert has kicked Tisha out of the family home. The 17-year-old daughter, Harley, is in protective custody and Landon, the biological mother, is staying with Albert. Do not quote me on this. I read Tisha was last seen staying at a hotel near Garden of the Gods and was informed not to leave town or the state. There are a few GoFundMe benefits circling around Facebook because they have froze all of her accounts and she has no way of paying her bills. I'm sure I've missed something somewhere I wanted to tell you guys, so apologies if I did, but I've been working day in, day out, reading articles, watching videos, following the news, working on this case for over a week now, and I have typed a script over eight pages long and now going into a 40-minute episode. Unedited, by the way, so... I will keep covering this case as we get updates and it unfolds. I want to end by saying a prayer for the safe return of Gannon Stouk. If you are non-religious, feel free to just fast forward the next 20 seconds. Lord, I pray you watch over the parents of Gannon Stouk, his family, friends, neighbors, and community. Hold them close to you and give them comfort during this difficult time. I pray for investigators working diligently on this case night and day for the search and rescue, volunteer search parties, and all those covering this case, the community offering food, water, shelter, and resources to the search crews. I pray Gannon makes a safe return home. His family and community miss him very much and are all eager to hold him once again. Amen. Again, if you have any tips, please call the El Paso County Sheriff tip line. The number will be in the description. That number is 719 719- Five two zero six 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 seven one nine five two zero six 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 six. If you liked this episode, please do me a solid and share this with your friends, family, on your social media. This case needs to be heard. Gannon needs to be found. Until next time, stay safe, my friends. Oh, and one more thing. Hi, mom. <laughs>